All right. Welcome back, dear, dear listener. I am one of your humble hosts here at the Board Game Podcast. Uh, my name is Sarah. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Let's introduce yourselves. Hey, it's Tim. We made it to two-digit episode. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And this is uh, this is Ken. And, yeah, definitely uh, very happy that we uh, we still have uh, our, our co-host Sarah with us uh, for episode 10 here. We, uh, She's we're, we're back. There. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, again, dear listener, (laughs) you may not be aware of this, but I'm very aware of this. Um, I was late today, late to record this podcast, and I do believe that my hostship has come very close to being revoked, even though, even though, I'll point out, I was late because I was playing a board game. That's probably the most insulting thing of all. Absolutely. I, oh. I swear, before we started playing, I almost texted y'all like, hey, we're about to play a board game. Do you want to do that instead of recording tonight? <laughs> but then I remembered that you guys had conflicts until this time. So I figured that probably wouldn't work. So we just played Yeah, I mean, game. honestly, it probably would have been fine other times. But especially with the holidays, we've got a big crunch to get stuff out. But uh, yep. Ken yeah. and I, don't worry. Ken and I were very productive with oh, yes. uh, with the time. So... Yep, we, we, we definitely a, have a, beautiful. Outline. Put together a very a very thorough outline for this episode that we will be posting on our Instagram uh, in parallel. So uh, we will take some screenshots of that and uh, and and post that for uh, for consumption. So if you have you not know. yet checked out our Instagram, definitely go do so. so it's we, very we, enriching, really really great substance. I think everybody could really take something away from it. With with their time while I was playing my board game with Morgan. Uh, let's see. It starts out the series finale. Series <laughs> finale because we're done because I was late for 30 minutes. 30 minutes late, by the way. And I let them know I was going to be late. Uh, it's and not time- like we've ever forgotten to do a recording altogether. No, we've never been late, Sarah, no. ever. And the tentative title for this podcast, which I do think we would have to edit a little bit because I don't know if you can say this. Oh, but the, does Instagram not let naughty, naughty words on it? Our tentative <laughs> title for this episode, episode 10, our season one finale of the board game triangle is Sarah doesn't fucking care anymore <laughs> because I was 30 minutes late for a related activity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. All right, so what and, are we talking uh, about today, Tim? Well, I think we're going to go ahead and continue our BGG Top 100 list. And I think we left off from number 90, so we'll be starting with number 89 today. But before we hop into that, I think we're just going to recap. How is everybody's uh, Thanksgiving? Do anything fun? I know that I just came off of playing a bunch of board games with uh, my dad. And I think one of my favorite takeaways from it was the Great Western Trail New Zealand, which... When he was on, he hyped up quite a bit, and I have to say it is definitely quite good um, to the point that Alicia actually prefers Great Western Trail New Zealand to the regular version. So yeah, I've, I've actually seen a couple of different reviews uh, since uh, since your dad was on saying similar things. So I uh, haven't played it yet myself, but it definitely looks like it's getting a lot of uh, attention, a lot of hype. I think honestly, they are. I would not recommend trying to teach that to somebody who has not played Great Western Trail before. There is like just that much extra layer of more things going on that 
I wouldn't immediately jump to it trying to teach a new player that game. Hmm. And I've even debated keeping it, both getting a copy of Great Western Trail New Zealand because Alicia appreciates it a lot more. Uh, I, it, I think overall it feels less punishing, even if it's not actually. You, hmm. You're just swimming in money a lot more, and it feels like you can do more things, but everybody's also kind of swimming in more money, and there's just more things that you can do. But it just feels a little... It feels a little less constrained, a little less tight. And so you might you might use uh, the original Great Western Trail as an intro game to teach the the concepts and the structure, mm-hmm. and then graduate people to Great Western Trail New Zealand, since uh, uh, you know Down Under is is, is is the graduated version here. Um, I would that, say so. Yeah, it feels basically like an expansion. It plays like it was like Great Western Trail with an expansion, essentially. And I wasn't just saying that to flatter the fact that we, we apparently have Australian listeners and uh, ah, are now internationally well known podcast here. So yeah, I was delighted to get a DM from a listener in Australia who uh, sent some regards and some ideas for a podcast in the future. Uh, so shout out to our Australian listener here. Um, Oh my gosh, Tim, I'm so glad that you mentioned that we hadn't talked about Thanksgiving because in my head we had definitely already talked about Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I played several games, but that was the main takeaway for me is Great Western Trail New Zealand was a lot of fun. I played several other new ones. None of them like super stood out to me as like ones I'd really want to own. I'm, there was one that I was trying to remember that was actually, uh, it's like Traversal Through Time or something like that, or... Uh, Trekking Through History, I think, is what it's called, uh, which is one that I've definitely heard of before. Um, yeah, I was just trying to remember any of the other titles, because my dad is really good at collecting a bunch of new games all the time, ones that I haven't even heard of. Uh, not necessarily just because they're unknown, but usually because they're just so new, and he likes to back random Kickstarter things. So it was, it was fun. I always have a great time playing new stuff. Great to spend time and with family. I, I believe, Sarah, you, you in our last episode, were playing to try to bait some family into playing uh return to dark tower did yeah uh, how'd that did go you make that attempt did it work wait have i told you all this story is that why you're making me tell it <laughs> no no in in the last in the last episode you said you're going to set it up and you're going to play it and you thought that people are going to fall so in love with how beautiful it was that they're all going to want it's just on doing it a second night so i'm just talking is this, this an oh sweet summer child moment okay so <laughs> here's how it went down I didn't even mm. have to bait anyone into playing it. It was, I'll set the set, the scene. Okay, so it was Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. My family did a, a big family gathering, like 20 people there. Beautiful lunch. Everything was wonderful. Everything's winding down. I actually did get a couple games of Skull in. Um, we played this game called Left, Right, Center with some candy. It was fun, but then we played Skull for a little while. I got my grandmother playing it. It was fantastic, you know. Got my like my cousin playing it, my aunts. It it okay, was okay. Really... So you warmed them up with Skull to show like, hey guys, check out these board games. You know they could be pretty cool. So then my aunt, yeah, my cousin, game. Yep. my aunt, my cousin, and my cousin's boyfriend were like, they they actually listened to the podcast. So shout out to the the Drakes and Ricky. Um, so they were like, and I had told them about the the game that we brought. So we brought Return to Dark Tower and they were like, hell yeah, we're in. We want to play this. So like the house is still full of people. We set it all up. I'm like yelling the rules over everything. Oh, God. And something you, sh- 
something you should know about me is I'm just incredibly irresponsible with electronics. I just, my husband is like a, a charging fairy that like runs around behind me and like plugs stuff in so it doesn't die. Oh and God. we, so the game Return to Dark Tower, it's app integrated and it runs batteries down pretty quickly. So we bought a tablet specifically so we could play this on a bigger screen and not have like somebody's phone running it the whole time and running their battery down. I had been reading a book on the tablet on the drive down to on Alabama. On the dedicated <laughs> tablet for Return so, to Dark Tower. That is the I, board game tablet, Sarah. I looked at mm. it before we started. I think you guys know where this is going. I looked at it before we started. It was at 56%. I thought it runs batteries down, but not that much. So I set up the game. We're playing it. Everybody picks up the rules super quickly. We're like crushing it. The game runs on based on a month system, so you have to win by the end of the sixth month. When I tell you that tablet died mid-month five. Oh, that's such oh, a bummer, no. man. Disconnected from the tower. The seed game was gone. Oh, there was so no way no to get way it to back. Recover? No oh, way to get dude. it back. Oh, no. Is, I don't, is, that a, is that a problem with the app or just... Well, like, does it normally save it, or do you have to, like, close out of it nicely and, like, intentionally save it? I, I don't know. It's possible that I was so flustered from being so embarrassed having this happen to me that there was a solution. I tried for, like, an hour and then apologized Aww. for another three hours because we totally would have won the game. But to be honest, I don't even know if they probably cared. Like, from the not from, like, not getting to finish it, but they... I imagine they probably had a good time if they made it that far anyway. Oh, yeah. No, it was really fun. They said that it was really fun. They made me not feel bad about it. Um, my own personal insecurities about being very irresponsible with my electronics came out, and I felt, you know, pretty guilty. But they were they were champs about it, said it was really fun. I was like, maybe we could set it up again. But they were, <laughs> no, it was late at that point. Um, but, yeah, so played board games with my family. Hilarious anecdote there. Uh, as long as you weren't me. <laughs> so now now the question is, have you enticed others who are not already kind of interested in board games? Because I would say somebody willing to listen to a podcast about them already, even though you're in it and it's family, that's still kind of going the extra mile and showing interest. So where are you looping non-board gamers in? So uh, my, my cousin's boyfriend um, said he wasn't super into board games, but he was really good at people's tells in skull mm. and then once we started playing dark tower it was clear that he was also very strategically minded so i he i don't think he was really super into board games but really enjoyed it and might have been interested um my little cousin a different cousin was also pl planning to play but then she lives a little bit farther away so her family had to leave early so she couldn't play with us but i think you know the giant tower on the table and the hype that I was giving this game kind of <laughs> brought her I mean, this, too. this is why we talk up table presents all the time here. It matters, especially oh. for newbies. Yeah. And now yep. we bought the Horde expansion for the game, which is all the minis for all the different characters, yep, like all the different monsters and stuff. And Morgan's 3D printed stuff. So it's even more oh of a table my. presence. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Which no, is why we've we played through it like six times now. <laughs> 
We we uh, can we we definitely need to figure out what we need to do to get ourselves an invite here, man. Like this yeah, does, this sounds like the experience that we uh, are missing out on. I'm pretty sure she's I... been in she's been in board games like a tenth of the time I have, and already has spent more money than me. Do you know? Yeah, it's it's not a flex. It's just financial irresponsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Porque no dos, man. Buying, you know? buying great games that uh, have have phenomenal phenomenal components and phenomenal presence. So yeah, no, absolutely, both that and uh, and the others you've gotten are definitely solid games. How about yeah. you, Ken? How's your how's your holiday? Any any remarkable things? No, I had a pretty uh, pretty quiet, restful holiday. Uh, my uh, my family is uh, uh, back in the, the Midwest and Chicago area, so um, I. Uh, well, just had a had a quite relaxing uh, Thanksgiving, but so no tra- uh, no traveling yeah. for you. No, no, just uh, just a quiet time. Hey, man, I my wife and I love staycations, so I'm probably gonna have a nice staycation myself here coming up in the next week. I'm looking forward to it. So I hear after Hell the yeah. Thanksgiving with your family, Alicia needed a board va- board game vacation. <laughs> yeah, she like she definitely enjoys board games, but yeah. she can only do so many at once. And also, there's very, there's very particular ones that, like she she will play with the family because she wants to spend time with everybody. But yeah. if she had more time, she probably would space them out more if it were up to her. But she can't, oh, so yeah. we we uh we squeeze them all together when we can. And then so she needs a little downtime, whereas I could probably play a lot more um, overall. But even for me, having that many games compressed in that small yeah. of a window, it, it can be it can be kind of a bit. So I, mean, I totally understand yeah. her perspective. If, I, 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 I can definitely heard... say that after a full weekend camp, uh, you know, Airbnb trip with you know nothing but nonstop board games, uh, you know, I, 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 I can use a day or so of, of rest from board games. But if I go mm-hmm. for a full week with friends and, and we're doing board games nonstop, uh, uh, I definitely get to a point where I start <clears throat> saying, no, I don't want to play a game right now. But uh, yeah, it takes about two or three days in before that starts happening. I, I think it also depends on are. Oftentimes, I'm learning several new games, and that is a lot more than just playing a game. You even if you have to refresh yourself, that's very different than like learning a game from the ground up again. Doesn't even matter how experienced you are. Uh, it's makes me wonder how board game reviewers really do you know do what they do because they're constantly learning new games all the time. Yeah, I've actually wondered that too. Now that I've because Morgan was looking at a, a new game and talking about buying it, and I was like. No, absolutely not. I have no more room in my brain for any more rules. I mean, yeah, think about I mean, you know, even though if you don't have a large collection, you know a significant portion of my collection and yeah. how to play, you know, a lot of those. So Plus, I, I just can't, thinking back to your Thanksgiving, if you've listened to our episode with Tim's dad in it, hearing the banter back and forth with them, just imagine being in a house with them playing board games. Like, it's going to be an intense experience. It's a good time. We're usually pretty chill. We don't. It kind of depends on the game overall, but yeah, yeah. It, my dad really appreciates it because my brother, he's not really super competitive. He just kind of goes through the motions and plays just to spend time with the family. Uh, and my mom usually has a lot going on, and so she's focused on maintaining the house and food and things like that. So she sometimes kind of has a split attention span when it comes to you know, sitting down and playing a game for that, especially longer games, which is what my dad enjoys is, you know, longer, more strategic ones. So then you get Alicia and I who like, we love strategy games. And so it, it, 
it's a it's Latched a refreshing <laughs> yeah exactly it's a refreshing set of competition to kind of come in and play with so he gets really excited when we when we come visit so yeah meanwhile my mom came in Very while we were cool. playing dark tower and was like you guys might as well be speaking another language right now because we're like oh you know you got this many warriors and this much spirit and blah blah, blah these advantages mm-hmm. and she was like no i'm done <laughs> yeah she I was think- really good at skull though I think that can be really intimidating to kind of have people come into the middle of a game. It can actually scare them off even more if they don't know anything about it. And they're like, well, man, I would have no hope of understanding any of this. It's kind of an interesting thought I never never really had before. It it also really goes back to what we've talked about a lot about being a good board game sommelier and understanding which kind of people are going to like which kind of game. And, Absolutely. Like I mentioned from my Airbnb trip, presenting Skull to people who are good at social deduction and social recognition and being able to recognize and see people's tells, they're going to have a good time with that. Also, people who just want to play randomly and hang out can have fun with Skull. Games that have a lot of rules, a lot more complexity, are going to turn off a certain type of person and... Being able to assess whether a person is going to like a particular kind of game is really important in knowing what to bring to the table, who to invite over. You know, Sarah brought over her cousins that were excited about this cool edifice that she'd built on the table and who had listened to the podcast and were really excited about a fun board game. She didn't go bring her mom over to play this game and teach her all these rules. That's where she used Skull. And that really becomes the element when you're building a collection, you want to think about what kinds of games to get for different groups you want to play with or people you want to play games with. And when you have a big collection, very quickly you get to a point where, yeah, if you're playing with hardcore gamers, you say, yeah, what game you want to play? And they play it. But you very quickly get to a point where you don't ask people what games they want to play. You say, hey, this is a game you'd enjoy and present it because you need to be the one who knows what people are going to like, what kind of thing that they're going to be able to learn and enjoy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, and I think like yeah. as you <laughs> I know, right? As you move into the like I don't know, as you go to different phases of the hobby, maybe that changes like your need for your collection. Like before now, I thought, okay, I'm only going to get games that are like big, like large group, not large group, but like 4 to 6 players. And now mm-hmm. that Morgan's into it and we're playing like just on random weeknights. Like I came home from work today and he had the board, uh, the board game set up already. And I was like, hold on, I got to go work out. <laughs> and, and, and I'm guessing he had the tablet charged. He, I did have to <laughs> too take soon, it. Too soon. I had to take it off the charger. He had already taken it because I was reading on it last night and it was on uh, my nightstand. Oh, He had it charged. Um, but yeah, so now my collection, I'm like, okay, I got to find games that are like really good for two player. Uh, we've even talked about buying one of the solo chip theory games and just playing it together. But mm-hmm. yeah, you could totally of... do solo games together. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a really cool one. I forget the name of it because it's like a long name. Hoplomachus something um, that looked really cool that we almost bought at Game Theory the other week, but. Anyways, let's get into our content for the episode. We're like 20 minutes in and haven't talked about Board Game Geek at all. Um, So in case you forgot, last week we got through numbers 100 through 90. So like uh, I think Ken said earlier, we're starting at 89. 
And we teased last week that our last game was a 7.5 based on 10,000 reviews. And this next one is a 7.5 based on 100,000 reviews. This is just a small indie company, company game. Nobody's ever heard of it. And I'll point out that it's also on Ken's wish list over here because we're looking at his uh, board game geek list with his ratings and everything on it now. The productive thing we did while waiting for Sarah was figure out how to share a thing amongst ourselves. So now we can all look at the same list while we talk. Isn't it beautiful? You don't have to listen to me clicking around. Um, oh, we've learned so well. I also don't have any clicky pins. Our production quality just gets better and better every episode. You this know, is what this is the content you guys signed up for. All right, we know. Eventually, it. we'll get to the to the level of the the normal beginner podcast. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. So after all of that introduction, number eighty nine is the game Seven Wonders from twenty ten. So the tagline for it is draft cards to develop your ancient civilization and build its wonder of the world. So what well, what experience do we have? Yeah, I mean, so I actually have a pretty funny story about Seven Wonders because this is actually before I really got into board games, I was invited over to some random person's house to just kind of hang out with them and they ended up pulling this game out and they taught it horribly. And so for the longest time, I was just like, man, this game is just impossible to teach. Like, this person couldn't teach me, and I didn't know anything about board games. And in general, I still think it's actually slightly harder to teach than it it looks. But once you understand the game, it's a very, very simple game. I think it's it's very good. I wonder if... I have a hard time now wanting to play Seven Wonders, mostly because I feel like It's a Wonderful World just feels like a better version of it for me. But it is still a really good game and a solid one that I'd recommend to most people. Another another slight uh, addition that I'll add in terms of the complexity of the game is somebody actually gave me a copy of their Seven Wonders because they also had a hard time understanding the rules. Now, they don't really play a lot of board games, but my that's where my seven wonders comes from is they knew that I like board games and they try to buy it based on recommendations online. And, it, I'm, you know, it is a pretty solid recommendation, but they also gave it up because they had a hard time understanding it. So I don't know if this one is just deceivingly like maybe the rule book just sucks. I, I don't know. Yeah, it does seem yeah. like it wouldn't be because the complexity score is a two point three. Out of five, it says age 10 plus, which seems like it wouldn't be that hard. And then its classification is family and strategy, which makes it seem like it would be easier. What's really great with Seven Wonders is that it scales incredibly well. Um, It it scales up to seven players. And what's really cool about this compared to other games that can scale between you know, it says it plays two to seven. I think it's not really a very good game with two. I'd say you at least want three, probably at least four. But four to seven players, it, it plays about the same length because everyone does simultaneous play. It, it's pure mm-hmm. pure drafting. So every time you, you, you have a, a hand of cards, you pick one you're going to keep, you pass the rest of the cards to the person, uh, depending on the round, to your right or left. And so every time you're, you're just picking from, from the set, the cards are being handed to you, and as fast as everyone picks their card, the round continues. And mm-hmm. so if people pick quickly and everybody picks quickly, the rounds go super, super fast. And it says a playing time of 30 minutes. That's entirely plausible and reasonable. 
not only do you draft them, I think you just immediately play them out on your tableau, right? If I remember right. Yep. Exactly. Yep. You 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 do it. It's it's face down until everyone is ready, and then you just flip at the same time. And then yeah, it's That's immediately right. played. It's immediately out. You can immediately look around and see what other people are playing and and play accordingly. Mm-hmm. So, you 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 know the strategy on it is is very you know you can look around and see oh you know two other people are going for science. Maybe it doesn't make sense for me to go for science. Um, I'm the only person going for science. I'm going to take it all. And if one person goes for science and nobody else does they will win, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and things like that, you know, uh, uh, military, the same kind of things so you, you look around, it's like, okay, uh, my neighbors are both doing military. So there's really no point in me trying to compete on that because they're going to beat me every time. Yep. And that becomes the kind of the things that at a glance, you can look around and see what's going on. You understand it, you play. And I mean, this is a game I, you know, I've played a lot of times in person, physically, uh, uh, pre pandemic during, during lockdown. Uh, this is a game that we are playing, you know, five times a night, uh, we, we'd, we'd be in a, in a discord together and people would jump in and play a round or two of, uh, of seven wonders with us and drop back out again and go do something else with their evening. Yeah. I mean, it's so like, I, you know, I play this a ton on, uh, is it board game arena? I think it yeah, is. Board game arena, it. Yeah. And, and in I fact, played so many rounds there. That's maybe one of the downsides is, is the setup time is probably almost as long, if not longer than actually playing the whole game. Uh, right. Uh, right. So what, because, another thing that lends up, to playing on board game arena, it like setup is instant then, and so the game is actually a very very fast game once everyone yep. knows how to play. Exactly, because because the setup for it does require you to have the right cards based on the player count you're using. It requires you to sort them out based on the rounds. So th- there's there's a lot of headache to the setup that is entirely taken away by playing on board game arena. So like I would say this is was absolutely one of our favorite games to play on board game arena uh during lockdown and again because it scales three to seven players you know three of us might start out the evening playing together and we might wrap up the seven over the course of uh of a night of playing and then drop back down to three before we wrapped up for the night and it might be a different three than started the night but you know that was one of the things that was really cool about it, just that scalability that Really, really, especially with Borgen Arena, the ease of learning it. Um, oh, I've, I've yeah, I've it a few times absolutely. in person, but, you know, something like Borgen Arena, you learn it very easily because it enforces the rules. It has, I think it, I think it has a video for how to play Seven Wonders as well, mm-hmm. but it you know, makes it really simple to be able to learn it and enforces correct play. So, and um, guys, Seven Wonders, around two are good. it's been around since 2010. Like, this game has been around a long time. It is a household name to anybody who knows anything about board games. And it is probably the quintessential, uh, it, it's probably like the poster child for learning how to do like a draft mechanic in a game. Absolutely. Anybody, no, say, anybody knows about this game. No, <laughs> They're I mean, saying, I, as I, I have not played it before. <laughs> sure, but no, I, I'm I, just I, saying I, it is a very well-known yeah. game in, in board gaming. Yeah, I do recognize the box. It's a it's a it's a very it's a very good way to learn drafting, like like Tim was saying. So if you if you're wanting to learn a drafting mechanic game and you haven't done one before, it's a great place to start. You could also pick it up very cheaply because it yeah, it's a cheap game. And then you can go from there. I think like I mentioned earlier, I think It's a Wonderful World is a better version of this. Or Terraforming Mars, for example, there is a drafting variant that you can play that emulates a similar feel to what Seven Wonders is doing, but nothing will do it probably as simply as the Seven Wonders package does it. Sweet. And yeah, we spent a lot of time on it because it is a very important game, I would say, in the history of the growth of board gaming. And definitely not because the rest of this 
set of 10 is kind of a skimpy one for us, maybe. Yeah, kind of. But, I mean, th- we're not using that to dictate how long we spend on any game. I say we spend as long True. as it deserves, but, you know, based on what we know about it. So Seven Wonders deserves respect and at oh, least five mi- minutes of discussion. One yeah. last thing I'll mention really quick is, set, to Ken's point, two players, not very good. Uh, there is Seven Wonders Duel, which is actually, I think, an even better game than Seven Wonders. I cannot say... M- enough about seven wonders duel it is a phenomenal yeah. game and maybe yeah, it's for, for, later for a on player, in the list <laughs> yeah no for, for a two-player it's it's one of the one of the great two-player games and yes yeah, so tim was talking about it's wonderful world i mean that one's rated like 144 on board game geek i i rate them both eight out of ten on my scoring it's wonderful world is only a one to five player game so it doesn't have the quite the, the player range that it that uh that's true uh that's seven true. wonders does but i i do think they, they're both excellent games that i always enjoy playing so who even has a seven person table anyway <laughs> hmm. nobody i know uh definitely not tim um <laughs> all right so number 88 we'll move on um this is robinson crusoe adventures on the cursed island from yeah, 2012 it. no it's, ideas <laughs> its really? tagline is work together with friends or with Friday. Am yep. I reading that right? Yes, that's okay. correct. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. His, There's his, a guy named Friday. His, yep. His man Friday. <laughs> yep. Yep. We'll work together with friends or with Friday to survive on a deserted island. All right. So for those who uh, have a sadistic side to them and just an absolute masochist, this is the game for you. Okay. So this is a very, very challenging cooperative game where you are, as it says, you are stranded, you end up stranded on an island. There's also a few other scenarios, but, you know, in general, it is a, you must survive X, basically. You've been, you know, something has happened to you, and now you have to survive. And it does a really good job of just eliciting that feeling of, like, oh, God, we're going to die. You know, Nothing is going right. There's a bunch of terrible weather. Oh, God, I hate the weather dice. They're such assholes. But... Yeah, this game is really good at you just trying to figure out how you best spread out your resourcing. You have to build shelter for yourself, and you know then there's weather events that happen. There's also the ability to hunt certain animals. You have to be able to explore the island, and one of them is like you have to light a giant fire in order for airplanes to find you, things like that. So there's different scenarios that you can play, and they're all really, really difficult. And you'll absolutely be scraping by every time that you play. I think the only real negative I have to say about the game is it's maybe there might be a little bit too much luck involved. It's also quite a bit to teach. So th- those are some a, a few negatives, but I really enjoy the game. I, I own a copy of it. I need to apparently play it with you guys because you guys have not played it. Jeez. What a jerk. I know. I'm surely you've seen it on my shelf. I think I have. I recognize the horses running on the beach on the box. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's even almost gotten to the table before, but not quite. Who knows? Man, they put the weight at a 3.81, huh? Interesting. That is, that's pretty st- stout. That's, that's pretty high. I wouldn't say it's that high. It's not nothing. No, it's, it's certainly, there's certainly some meat to it. And I wouldn't try to teach like a newbie it, but I would, I think 3.81 is maybe a little a little heavy there, but yeah, yeah. Oh, and and everybody they get to be like there's like different characters that you can play, and each one is good at like certain things, and you have to you know feed your people, try to 
you also will go through events and those events might injure you and then they'll those events will come back later which actually is probably one of my favorite things about the game is you'll unveil something on a card and then that thing that happened like let's say you like stab yourself in the foot with something while you were building a shed and then later on that card will show up and like you have gangrene or something so it like it it's really good at, at, at like things like that um oh, snap. yeah it, yeah, it's really cool. It, it it it's been around a while. It's definitely one of the quintessential co-op games. You'll see it on pretty much any co-op list. Like I said, just be aware, it's probably a little bit more luck-driven than some other co-op games. Okay, so here's a question. It sounds like okay, so you get like different characters that have different strengths. You're on this island, it's very thematic. Mm-hmm. What keeps this game from being considered an RPG or is it considered an RPG? <sighs> well, cuz you're not really you could maybe think of it that way because as you're doing stuff, you are building, you are creating items sometimes. You'll like find like recipes and stuff like that. But it's not like your character itself is getting stronger. If anything, it's quite the opposite. You're, you like get, you're get like wor- dying slowly. <laughs> yeah, you get worse and worse for wear as the game goes on. Um, so you're not really improving overall other than you get to like make new weapons and things like that, which helps you hunt a little more easily. So it's got RPG flavor for sure, but I think it's just the way that it's elicited, whereas, like, you, you kind of paint, like, an RPG, like, I'm going through this dungeon, and I'm going to murder these bitches, whereas this see, is like, oh, God, see, we're hanging on for dear life. I don't see RPGs as strictly being tied to the fantasy genre. I think it's it's more of just, like, you have a role, and you are playing that role. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, have very not, loose not, and uneducated... I think you have a I think you have a good point though Sarah that like that's not to say that like you know nothing lives you know strictly you know inside a neat little box this you could argue this has RPG like elements for sure I think if you played with the right group of artistic loopy actor people they could make it into an RPG yeah sure but but then Tim would have to admit that he likes an RPG style game and that and I don't feel like vomiting tonight brand. so can we can we keep that to a dull <laughs> he's roar not gonna, he's not gonna do it he's not gonna do it okay. I just admitted that this has RPG elements alright okay don't so make me say more don't make basically, me say more basically Tim is a an RPG fanboy now um, oh, oh, he's RPGs. basically rolling his next D&D character his as we speak. Absolute, mm-hmm. absolute favorite type of game now. RPGs. I was filling out the sheet right now, actually. That's why, I, you know, there's pauses in my speech. I, you know, I was thinking about my character name and what I'm yeah. going to roll my dexterity. <laughs> All right. Okay. So next on our list, number 87 is The Voyages of Marco Polo from 2015. And this is using unique abilities, fulfill contracts, and each of your goals along the Silk Road. Any experience with that? Yeah, none. Yeah, negatory. I mean, the box doesn't look exactly exciting. We've got a little frowny man on it. Look at awards. Apparently, this is a good game. I don't know. It, I yeah, guess it it's on like the top it's won 100. Won a lot of awards, uh, but yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. of this whole list being the top 100, I recently, and don't ask me why, and it's definitely not just to promote this podcast, joined the uh, board game subreddit, and there was a guy that posted on it, like, one of my goals is to, like, every year have my collection contain the top 100 from Board Game Geek. And I was like, wow. that's so many games. That and seems that absolutely unnecessary. <laughs> That is a very interesting goal to have for oneself. Like yeah. you would have to have and learn all of these games 
and it would change frequently. Yeah. Wild. I mean, overall, the do... top 100 is fairly stable. Yeah. Overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do generally like the idea of at least having familiarity, having familiarity with like the top 10, top 20, yeah, but top I, 20 I don't even want to own all of them. Like, I don't even want to own the top 20. I would like to have played the top 20. But I mean, some of not... them you can't even easily get anymore. Some of yeah. them were like one print runs of like Kickstarters and, and stuff. So I, I don't know. But yeah. Um, so yeah, don't know anything about this. The weight was like three point something. I mean, it doesn't matter. We have nothing to contribute to the discussion there. So. so this next game, I'm actually, oh man, it looks, it's right up my alley. It's right yeah, up my alley. I was about to say, about, this, this looks like it calls, calls to you, Sarah. Weight it of does. four. Oh my God. I know. The wow. weight, the, it looks it looks sufficiently crunchy and also thematically I'm into it. Right, uh, so this, this number 86 is called Dominant Species from 2010. With an ice age approaching, which animals will best propagate, migrate, and adapt? And it's got yeah. like dinosaurs or, well, no, that's not even. Is that a dinosaur or is it just no, a big it's bird? just cubes and cones. <laughs> oh, no. This looks like cones of Dunshire. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, oh guys. So this is from 2010. So this is before, you know, we really started to get the, the really nice, sophisticated production value we see these days. Like, you can really start to see, like, a pretty a pretty clean delineation in time where they started to go, oh, maybe we should make our board games not look stupid. And this was before that time. It also does not look super colorblind friendly because a lot of the cubes are yeah, like red and green. Yeah. Ooh. Well, at least they have the excuse of being around in 2010 where apparently colorblindness <laughs> still didn't exist. So, um, yeah. I mean, uh, colorblind people only started, yeah, only started existing in the last like five years, right? I, I don't, you, <laughs> you, 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 weren't, you, weren't, you weren't around part of that, were you, uh, were you Tim? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, wait. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. It's won awards from 2023, apparently. Wow. It's a Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> yeah, wow. I think it, it was it was saying something. Yeah, apparently it's won some recent awards. So it. I guess it's played, you know, obviously it's in the top 100. So if anybody played. has it in their collection, let us know. We'll come play with you because I'm really interested. But I am pretty intrigued as well. It looks... The fact that it has won recent awards makes me wonder if it's maybe just on a resurgence. Who knows? Maybe it'll get reprinted with pretty things. Also, the audience score is pretty high. It's a 7.8 compared to a 7.5 for how many reviewers? 20,000. So it's not, it's that's more than Planet X. Yeah, that's pretty sizable. Okay. Good to know. I'm I'm so disinterested. I've already moved on my, uh, my yeah, yeah. Game, I know. All right, so well, like, no, all right just... next. <laughs> all right, all right. Ken's moving us on. Um, so number eighty five is Lords of Waterdeep from 2012. Deploy agents and hire adventurers to expand your control over the city of Waterdeep. So yeah, this was definitely one of the first. Uh, I think it was one of the first uh, worker placements. I. I played a lot of uh, i have a friend that has uh has lords of Waterdeep, has some a couple of different expansions for it and um it's definitely a, a game that will uh will we'll pull out at a at a birthday party and have uh, have people sit you know huddle in a corner and play for a couple hours because uh, that that two-hour play time is uh is what it takes when people actually know how to play and if you're teaching new players it can go another three you know it can go, go go to three plus hours of uh, play but uh um, 
that's I think it's a solid uh, solid worker placement that lets you uh, make some interesting decisions of where you go and where you're blocking things and has some fun Dungeons and Dragons uh, theming. Uh, Waterdeep's a location in the, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, world. So. Yeah, I knew it sounded uh, familiar. Yep. It, see, if it didn't have that aspect, I think I would not be interested in this at all. The box cover is just not interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, it's it's pretty blase, I guess. But Ugh. how do you feel the weight of 245 uh, sits? Yeah, I, it, I said it's a, it's a fairly light... You know, fairly light game to teach uh, uh, new players. I think with with the uh, expansions, it gets uh, gets a little heavier and a little more complex. And so, I think when, it, when I try to teach uh, a new player, and we have you know two different expansions in there, it gets a little uh, gets a little uh, hectic. But um, uh, you know, as a you know, pulling up the uh, the, the, the pictures of it, the map is kind of kind of you know all right looking with the the, the uh, miniatures on it are uh, are, are are not great. That's and very generous. Uh, yeah, the victory yeah. point font looks like it might be papyrus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it another, looks like new, uh, new buildings come out, so like new spots open up is what it looks exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah, you have. Yeah, so cool. yeah, if you if you're building, uh, the the buildings are available to rotate, and um, you have other. You know, basically, the, the whole theme of it is that you are, uh, you are uh, political. Uh, Agents and political lords in, in the city of Waterdeep, and you are hiring uh, adventures and agents to go out and do adventures for you and to fight uh, things. So you're you're built, basically building up a pool of different kinds of adventures, and then sending those adventures on on quests and missions that uses them up out of your uh, your store, whether they die or just do the job and, and move on to the next job. You know, I guess is uh, is subjective, but. Um, so you're always you're trying to create a pool of the right kinds of uh, of, of cubes to be able to uh, buy things, and, and those quests and things do rotate and shift over time. So you will be in a race to beat somebody to uh, a quest that's available, and if they get there first, then that quest goes away, and now you're having to look at you know is there a new quest that I can re uh, reconfigure my goals toward and things. So it's it, it's fun. But. It sounds interesting, actually. How how much do you feel like the game kind of do you feel like there's kind of like an autopilot aspect to it where like there's clear decisions of like what you should do or is there a decent amount of choice? No, yeah, I think, I think, I think there's a lot of choice. There's a lot of, because like, you're, you're often having to make decisions about, um, you know, trying to, you know, monopolize spaces that give you one of a, of a rare, unique uh, uh, unit type or, or grabbing things that give you lots of, uh, lots of other things. And in doing that, you're you're making gambles about what what future cards are going to be coming up, and what what quests and adventures and, and opportunities. Um, when you you know when you create buildings, you're giving yourself custom spots of things that you can uh, you can go to, and that other people pay you if if you build it. So you want you want to build the things to get paid when other people are are trying to use it and things. I think there's a lot a lot of really good decision making to it. I feel. So how would you how would you kind of put it? it up against like other worker placements is this something that you would actively choose or would you rather play something else um i'd say at this point i mean i've i've played a enough lords of Waterdeep over over the years that um mm-hmm. you know for the for the variety I, I i tend to probably to play other things but um it definitely was a it was, it was a a classic and early uh, worker placement i was playing and i've i've Definitely played it a, a lot of times, and if my friend that has you know has Lords of Waterdeep and the two expansions, 
wants to pull it out and have a game night, I'm I'm definitely down for uh, for going and, and knocking out a, a playthrough of it again. It's been uh, it's been a while. And it's sense. published by Wizards of the Coast, so it is like yep. actually D and D. It's not oh, just no, like it's, slightly yeah. D and D themed. Up, it's yeah. straight up branded D and D content. Yep. Now, and the main reason I was I was kind of poking at that with Ken is I think one fun thing to kind of explore with the uh, with the top 100 here is how many of these are really just still kind of a monument to like you know they stood the test of time or. Mm-hmm. There's nostalgia, a nostalgia factor, and they don't really hold up to somebody who's coming new into the hobby, which a lot of us, you know, you're looking at, we're all really arguably considered new to the hobby. So nope. I think it's fair to look at some of these older ones and go, okay, like how much of this is just like a lot of the old guards still love it. There's still that little nostalgic pocket there, and it's still a good game. But nope. if given the choice, would you just play something else because newer right. stuff maybe is just better? And that I, I think, I mean, this is one. It's still available for thirty bucks on Amazon. Um, you can you can grab it easily. It's accessible. It's not super hard to learn. Um, but yeah, I think I think there is probably a lot of it being a classic game that has a a sentimental place in people's minds for this one as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, it still sounds interesting even today. Yeah. So they're 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 they're, they're games that are prettier. They're games that are more evocative in, in some of what they do in their theming. It does. It does always make you make interesting choices, though. And it's not a game that ever you really get into an autopilot mode. I don't feel on. So, um, I think for that in that sense, it's a fun game that continues to present interesting puzzles and challenges and questions. But um, there are other games that do that today too. So, cool. Yeah. All right. So, moving on to number eighty-four. This one we've all played because we've played it together, and we've actually talked about it before on this show. Uh, so number 84 is Beyond the Sun from 2020. Collectively develop a tech tree to fuel new discoveries and colonize space. Ah, yes, the tech tree. So this is one that often gets made fun of for its fairly lackadaisical presentation, I guess. Especially It for... does not have strong table presence. No, for a 2020 game... Yeah, it's it's a bit lacking in that department, but there is so much other substance to this game, and once people actually sit down and start playing it, they stop caring. But this is not the one to go ahead and hook somebody who maybe right. is on the fence about really trying a game, especially one with more substance to it. Yeah, you're not. This is not the first one to turn to. I would say the the only, the only people this is going to initially just on the theme of it uh, pull you in is your your buddy that. Played a lot of Sid Meier's uh, Alpha Centauri and really got into the tech tree there. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what a tech tree game! Yes, I want to play that. Which, yeah, that's me. But yeah, it is. It is an easy <laughs> hook from that perspective, definitely. Most people, when you say, oh, it's a tech tree game, do not do not get sucked in. Um, so that is that is generally not the pitch you want to make uh, to get people into this game. Uh, but people who are into tech trees are going to love this game. It, because it, it, you're developing a tech tree, you're researching things, you're constantly making decisions about uh, what tech you want to add to the, the tree that's going to limit and restrict what the future options are going to be along that path, uh, whether you want to continue along a given path that you've already uh, dug down, um, or if you want to go back and pick up some text that somebody else uh, initially uh, discovered, because you're looking at that would be a really great power to add to my my set of things I can do every round because until you research a tech, you can't do that thing. 
Yeah, you're opening up worker placement spots that also will be shared by other people who also research those spots. So if you research a spot, uh, it gives you first dibs at some of those openings. Now, some of them don't have worker spots, and they're literally just one-time bonuses. But uh, usually it does open up a spot that you can use repeatedly. And another cool mechanic that they have borrowed from other games is you can't repeat the same location usually. Uh, you have to be able to physically move your piece to another spot. So as long as there is actually an opening on the same spot, you'd be allowed to actually do that action again. But otherwise, you have to actually go and do another action instead. So I like that they force you to do different things. And I like that there's always contention between different spots, which is what makes a good worker placement. And what often doesn't get talked about is really, at the end of the day, this game is actually an area control game. And sorry for the listeners who have listened to some of our other videos where we've also kind of poured our heart out for this game. But we talked about how at the end of the day, this game doesn't really get covered correctly. I think it really is an area control game that is facilitated by a tech tree. But everybody focuses on the tech tree part because that is probably the more interesting puzzle of of the uh, whole aspect. Oh, no. See, I really... I don't know. My brain just works differently than y'all's. I really like the planet part of it where you're hopping from planet to planet. It's fun. And you, you definitely feel like when you're successful doing things like colonizing planets, you definitely feel it, but it's not really that like, if you look at it just physically, the tech tree board is is most of the board. Yeah. It's like a giant, it takes up most of it and they probably could have even condensed that down probably quite a bit. But But. really the most important part of this game is that there are little cubes and your Mm -hmm. player sheet has a little plastic cover on it and the little cubes just sit in the plastic perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's It's beautiful. It's really So maybe maybe not visually super appealing, but tactilely and physically fun to move the pieces into your, your player mat. And honestly, the game is really not that hard to explain, but there's plenty of... A plenty of thought that goes into it like they gave the weight of a 3.14 which i think is pretty fair I, I i may even say it's just slightly below that there's really not a huge amount going on going on with this game from a explanation standpoint yep i, I can usually teach it fairly quickly yep it does have a really high player score as compared to the critic score the player score on this one's a 7.95 so we're getting close oh, to the wow. eights yeah Wow, yeah. Only 13,000. So I, I would say it's probably in the same sphere I mean, 13, of popularity. I mean, 13,000 for a 2020 game? It's pretty high. Yeah. But like sphere of popularity-wise, close to the search for Planet X, I would think. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess, it, I guess yeah. it's in the Avenue. Yeah, same year. And also, both the games, you know, with 2020, obviously the pandemic, there's a lot of production issues. I know that both of those games ran into like shortages for sure they mm. they were definitely out of print for quite a bit uh, planet x uh or sorry uh, beyond the sun especially i didn't get it in the first batch of production i had to wait for the next one so interesting all right so that takes us to number 83 uh this is an oldie so we'll see if anybody's got experience is here, but this really is a 2006. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. So through the ages, a story of civilization from 2006. Uh, this is lead your civilization through strategic, strategic drafting of leaders, technologies, and more. So that description if, tells you nothing. I mean, <laughs> it's, it does. If you play civilization, because this is basically civilization, the board game, uh, 
that's all I know about it, but it is still yep. constantly talked about. Yep. Yeah, no, this is definitely one I've I've wanted to play, have not played, but yeah, you know, it's like like I was saying, everyone talks about this game. It's very very highly reputed, uh, but I yeah also uh, also never uh, never played it. It's to the point that I had no idea it was from 2006 because it is still talked about like it is a new game. Oh yeah, no, I, I knew I knew it was an old classic, and I mean it. Yeah, I mean it. it, it like Tim was saying, for a game in, from 2006 to get the uh, the attention that it still gets today is uh, is incredible. But have not played it. Yeah, so I guess it probably stands on its own. Um, but yeah, 7.85 user rating, so pretty high rating, 20,000 ish reviews. So that's actually pretty surprising. I think it's because the game is a pretty long. What what was the complexity score? I didn't see. It was a four uh, point something. Four, yeah, yeah, four oh, point yeah. one eight. It's very. That's the highest one we've seen yet, I believe. Yeah. So four point one eight out of five is very very high. So I mean, uh, Twi- Twilight Imperium is a four point three. So we're we're getting up into Twilight Imperium uh, range with this. Mm, fair, fair. Yeah, okay. so uh, d- never played it, but I have heard many, many good things about it. Never played but- it, never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? Uh, okay, so number 82, Teotihuacan, uh, City of Gods. Did I look up on Google how to pronounce that and practice it in my head several times and then still messed it up, maybe? but <laughs> No, I was about to say, so here I am like going, well, actually, it's Inish, and you're just like... What you need? I'm no, I can't even fucking say it. Sarah, that was that was very impressive. You, it was so smooth. I really yep. should have paused before I explained that I looked it up the pronunciation and just let no, you think was, for one second I can, that I knew how to I can, say I can, it. I can I can add the pause and post. We're we're good. Yeah, okay, I won't, yeah. but I could. No, that was phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> All right, so this game is from 2018, uh, and it is use your worker dice to raise the legendary and breathtaking pyramid of the sun. Yep, this is a lot of fun. I've uh, I think I've only played it um, on, online again, uh, board game arena or something or one of those. I think it was board game arena, um, but um, it, it's a, Whoa, it's a it game cool. that. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Um, you, you you're building a uh, a monument in the middle um, and, and decorating it. You are moving your uh, your workers around the outside of the board, and as you move them, their their the value on the dice increases. And you want to increase the value because they let you unlock and have uh, stronger powers. You also don't want to increase them because they become more expensive when you do that. So. Uh, if you get to a maintenance phase and you have high value dice, you have to pay. Uh, I think it's uh, cocoa for, uh, for for the the, the based on the value of the dice you have, and so it's, you're constantly having to sit there and, and challenge it. But also, when you get them uh, maxed out in value, you can evolve them and get more powers from that. And so, just there's this constant constant hard decisions. You, you when you land on a spot, you can decide whether you want to do. Uh, a power that locks you into that spot unless you pay to unlock the the the, the, uh, the worker or if you want to just do the one that lands on it and gives you you know the free power uh who else is on that spot ends up impacting how things work and you know who has the most uh, uh dice on there ends up changing things so like you're always trying trying to decide if you want to stack your dice together or move them quickly to get to spots before other people do and just it's a very uh very constantly evolving changing puzzle and Always looking at what other the other players are doing to try to figure out if there's uh, if there is you know some uh, 
some ability or power or, or approach that other people are ignoring that you can benefit from, or if someone is going to benefit from something, you need to get in there and block them from just getting, uh, you know, maxing out uh, on a track. So it's a lot, of, a lot of fun in, in a lot of different ways on that one. Uh, sounds like Tim, you haven't played this one either. No, but it looks cool. Like I, I love the way that the little pyramids, pyramid pieces seem to stack up. It looks yeah, neat. Yeah, oh, looks I love so the little cool. Dude, this looks cool as hell. Somebody's got to get yep. this. This looks neat. Yeah, this one looks really cool. It is kind of giving me like flashbacks to watching the movie Apocalypto. Oh yeah, <laughs> that movie scarred I'm... me for life, man. Dude, that yeah, that movie's pretty fucking dark. But yeah. What's not dark is this board. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, I love it. It looks like a pretty big game. Yeah. Like yeah. size wise. It's, yep, it's it's sizable. The the, uh, the each of the, uh, the the squares on the outside, uh, you randomize. Uh, you know the, uh, the what, what the landing spots are. Um, yeah, that setup the looks center, a bit in the center of it, <laughs> Yeah, in the center. Like I said, I've only played it online, so I don't know what the the physical setup is. But fair. You know, in the center, you, you first you build up the monument and you, you you put decorations on it, and you know adding a adding a, a square to the monument and adding decorations to it are both different squares you have to have, and you have to have uh, dice of the right numbers, resources of the right types to be able to do all of that. So just yeah, it's a really uh, it's a really fun game, and it's a game you have no idea how you're doing on it. Um, the first couple times you play through it or what your strategy should be or what's going on. Uh, it does definitely take a couple of different playthroughs before, uh, before it starts really uh, feeling it's making sense. But uh, I, it's a, I lot just of, love a lot of fun that you're actually making a physical thing. Yeah. You I know, mean, it, just looking stuff. at it. Yeah, absolutely. Like just looking at it from an outsider's perspective, not knowing much else about the game. It, it just looks like the theme is not tacked on. It feels from the ground up that the theme is yep. integral to the game, which is really cool. I've, yeah, I really, probably, want, I really want to play this. You could probably play the score to Apocalypto in the background. And it <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, we can, we can definitely uh, do, uh, I think it's on Board Game Arena and, and, and knock out one there, but you know, playing it with the physical cat, you know, uh, set would seem like it'd be a lot of fun too. Uh, no, I I feel like that table but... presence is just irresistible. I mean, yep. it really it, is. The longer we look at it, the more I really want it. <laughs> oh man! So uh, it, it looks it, like it's cheap too. It's fifty bucks. At least for it says all fifty of that bucks on Amazon. Stuff? Yeah, yeah, that look that seems very reasonable. Dang. So, Titokan, City of the Gods, City of Gods, a lot of fun. I. I, I feel like you know a lot of a lot of games try to use the you know dice as workers and and to, to you know track and count things. This is probably one of my favorites for doing that too, though, because like I said, every time they're moving, they're changing. Can you draw any comparisons to like uh, Castles of Burgundy or anything in terms of like how the dice are used? Or yeah, so so basically, the the, the, the your your dice are are your workers, and mm -hmm. when you when you when you they're just move are they them, just one to six. Uh, yeah, they're, well, yeah, they're they're one to six, and when when they get to six, you can evolve them. So, you know, every time you, when you're moving them, they increase uh, based on, on on how you're using them. Uh, some of the squares will will increase them uh, faster, and so you're 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 incrementing them at you know every time you, as you move them around, and so then you're mm -hmm. making decisions about do I want to move my, my 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 die that's a five and then be able to evolve it, and they get the power for the evolution, and then. You know, do that, or do I want to move my lower my lower ranked die? So then I have two of them are at fives, and if I get two fives on this square, then I'll get 
extra bonuses from having that. So there's always, always those kinds of questions you're having on it. Do you want, want to, you know, just keep, you know, spinning one die quickly or because when, when you land on a square, uh, the, the number value of, of dice you have on that square in, impacts how much return you get for the, uh, the power of the square and things as well. So those are always kind of questions you're looking at with it where, mm, cool. um, it's just, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun with really interesting decisions constantly. All right. Well, apparently we all want to buy it. So uh, I don't know if that's a raging review or not, but. Yep. Yep. It's, I mean, it's on my wish list as a, as a love to have, which, uh, you know, second highest, uh, second highest rating I can think some of my wishes can have. So, um, you know, Lords of Waterdeep, I, I don't, my wish list is a, is a three. I would like to have it, but I don't need it. I would love to have uh, a T2 can. So. Nice. Um, okay. We're gonna we're gonna test my pronunciation in a different way now. So this is <laughs> number eighty one, and I have no idea what this word. Is. So fields of Arl is sure. from, me. <laughs> from twenty fourteen. <laughs> Construct dikes, drain bogs, harvest flax, and tend to newborn animals in East Frisia. Man, Frisia. is it I've... is it possible to be bored by just hearing the description? It yeah. does not <laughs> sound like my kind of game. Maybe is like a, if, if it is a like U Rosenberg game, I knew it would be. Okay, yeah, no. yeah that no, sounds exactly like. I was going to comment like I've never heard of this game. Um, it is by U Rosenberg, who is a phenomenal game designer. Um, you know, he's he's made games like Patchwork that I think are phenomenal, Caverna, which I think is phenomenal, Feast for Odin. Um, yeah, Feast for Odin, which is which is great. Um, so like this, you know, he he's definitely done a lot of really really cool games. But he's also a designer who's made just a massively huge number of games. Yes. I'm guessing this one's probably a good one. With all kinds of weird themes, 100. too. But um, I've never heard testament. of this one. <laughs> and it's the first one that we've talked about tonight, I think, that has actually broken the eight, the 8.04 mark for um, the, the player score. So oh, it's yeah. still in the 7.6 range for critic score, but the, the player score is an 8. It's kind of giving like Harvest Moon vibes, <laughs> like, or like maybe a, like yeah, a cozy yeah, 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 game. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, oh he my does, god, like, there are little <laughs> tiny cows and sheep. There are little blocks that are shaped like cows and sheep. I'm so sorry for everyone's eardrums. No, the, I, I swear, like I, you, oh my god. like you, Rosenberg has a look and a theme and a feel to his games. They're always the same, but they're always different enough that like there's variety. But yeah, as soon as you see the components and the visual <laughs> nature of his games, you know what you're looking at. I'm going to cry. Uh, the cows have little spots. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Y- y- <laughs> it is. This, this, is, this is probably the, the, the biggest, the first time I've really felt badly that we aren't actually releasing the video feeds from our, uh, our recordings <laughs> here. If, if you could see Sarah's face <laughs> as I started uh, sharing these pictures. Yeah, her, her, just... <laughs> her face just melted seeing the cows as soon as, they, as, soon as it showed them. Are those little llamas? I think they're sheep. Oh, sheep. Okay. No, no, no. The sheep are the great. the The sheep are the the like fluffy looking. All right. There are, there's an, there's animals in this, and by the way, there's plenty of other games if you're interested in having teeny little animal meeples. There's probably about ten other U Rosenberg games you can get that ha- also have little animal meeples. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Oh um, yeah. So. The, I I recognize how the this per this kind of things are set up. 
that is yeah, definitely yeah. a recognizable he, yeah, style. He has, he has a very specific style with all his games, which is cool. Yep. But yeah, but I don't really have a, I don't really have anything else to say about it. You know, it probably has a similar feel to many of his other games, but different enough that it's probably worth owning. I don't have any other things to say about it. Yep. I entirely take back my being bored with it. The little animal meeples and the like <laughs> Stardew Valley Harvest Moon vibes have gotten me, won me over. That's definitely got those vibes for sure. That's a, that's a good call out, a good call out. So, all right. This is probably, hold on, probably going to be our last one for tonight. It so is. Like, I, thought we were, yeah. I thought we were going to get through more than 10, but I guess not. I, I guess so I, I ran we my mouth too much. Um, nah, but too much. Do we want to stop there or do we want to do one more? Yeah, we, we, we do. We do. Yeah, we do this one. Yeah. Okay. So number 80 is Clank, a deck building adventure from 2016. Claim your treasures, but don't attract the dragon in this deck building dungeon race. Yeah, I think this one is a really good introduction to deck building. And I love the push your luck mechanic of, I mean, it's exactly as the description says, there's this dragon that's in this cavern. You're a bunch of thieves, and you're trying to go deep down into this dungeon, basically. And the further down you go, the harder it is to get out. And there's basically a timer of you pulling cubes out of a bag of this dragon basically going to wake up and, you know, eat you, basically, or burn you all alive, whatever. And so it's push your luck mixed with deck building and probably one of the best marrying of the two that I've seen while, while still being pretty simple. Yeah, I was going to uh, say the, the weight looks pretty low and the playtime is also pretty low. So this seems like a very accessible game. It is. It definitely yeah. is. It's which is very accessible. I've, I've played it a lot because I had a friend that you know really, really loved this game. Um, this may be one of our first uh, uh, significant disagreements here, and that I, I definitely have it rated only as a as a six. I, I find it okay. I, I don't mind playing it, but um, I you know I do uh, I do find the uh, the luck element of it to be a lot higher than what I uh, I, I tend to prefer. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do I do tend to feel like it's pretty. Uh, uh, the the decisions in it to me feel fairly uh, uh, fa- fairly. Uh, straightforward and that like i know i know if i'm taking a risk or if i'm not mm-hmm. i don't really feel like i'm making uh, i'm making interesting decisions a lot i'm just you know doing the thing and i think that the, probably the big thing i don't like about the deck building element is that i feel like the the um quality of choices you end up getting is very much based on what you happen to get turned up fresh for you in the in the deck i think there's there's a lot of cards in there that are very significantly better than other cards. Yeah, that, that is a it's problem. It's very hard to like it. It, it often it often doesn't feel necessarily fair to me uh, in playing a game whether I happen to get options at really great cards or I never get an option at the really good cards and other people you know buy them up. So yeah, I, I feel like that's a problem with deck builders in general. Like I feel like there always seems to be a few OP cards or overpowered cards or broken cards that uh that exist and it feels like when you get them like game but over you know that's why i really love dominion as as a deck builder because everyone has an option of buying all 10 of the cards that are out in the stacks at the beginning of the game games that have a rotating store of cards that are available i feel like really fall into that that trap if absolutely it's not easy to uh, uh to be able to 
dig through the deck to find cards you want or to be able to build the kind of deck you want to build, mm -hmm. um, it makes it very challenging. And so, yeah, that I really... mean, d developers are probably just trying to find that balance of like not not letting you always build the deck you want all the time. Right. No, I, I hear that. So if but. I had to make a bingo card for our series of going through the Board Game Geek Top 100, mm -hmm. Ken thinks that a game should be rated lower because it is too simple and accessible would definitely be on there. I, I, I <laughs> I'm not surprised that, by this at all. No, I don't but think the, that's what he's saying, The issue is that it's simple and accessible. Because, like, Skull is, one of my, is, is, a, is a perfect 10 game for me. I, I love Skull. And it's a very simple, accessible game. Mm -hmm. With Skull, but it's though, luck. This game is more luck, like you said. So you like strategy games, right? I, I not want, a lot I want of to luck. feel. To, to me, I want a game that is allowing me to make interesting decisions, and I, you know, interesting decisions that impact my outcome. And I think you know, Tim and I have talked about before with with some of the games that I don't necessarily even want to be able to make decisions that mean I'm going to win the game. But I would like to make decisions that make me feel like I'm having the experience yeah, that I am choosing decisions. to have. Yeah. And that they're meaningful decisions on it. And often in Clank, I don't feel like my decisions are super meaningful. I, mean, I can decide to try to push my luck, and, and there's that element, but that's, that's luck. It's not, you know, I, I know what the odds are that I'm having. I know what the chances are I'm doing. I'm trying to remember. So just to kind of explain a little bit more the mechanisms at play here. Because uh, I explained in broad detail what's going on, but the deck building mechanic is basically how you can how quickly you can move through the dungeon, basically. And also, there is these like I think you like make noise, like some of the cars make yep. noise, and it causes the dragon to more easily wake up. I don't I don't remember all the details because it's been a while since I played it, but basically, yeah, the car the cars that cause you to make noise add noise to the the uh, the uh, add add. Items of your color to the pool of, of, of cubes that get pulled from the bag. That's so right. every time the dragon gets uh, stirred by something, he gets stirred if someone picks up an artifact, he gets stirred um, for several other causes. You, you put the cubes that are out there into the bag, you shake the bag around and pull out a number based on how, how roused he has become at that point. And every cube he... he pulls out causes damage to the adventure who uh, is on there. That's what so you can it have is. An adventure. Okay. So each player so, has their own timer basically. Right. Well, so, but what ends up being a, like a problem with that is that if someone gets uh, cards in their deck that allow them to remove uh, noise that they've created, they can be running around wrecking havoc, but they can eliminate that noise because they have those cards and mm. those cards are not super common so you know definitely not everybody's going to be able to build those into your deck but if you have them then you know you you're going to be able to take a lot bigger risks and come out with bigger prizes bigger treasures uh, do more things and, and that becomes the kind of stuff where like you know when one of those comes up you you pick up the card like and that becomes an element with you know, where it's not you know like if there are if there are decisions i'm making where like okay i could take this card or i could take that card that gives me different advantages it might it might be a better risk. Um, those are better decisions for me in a deck builder than. Well, that's just obviously the, you know, the best card. I'm I'm getting that, and it's not quite that way in, in Clank, and I'm, I am overstating it for the sake of my criticism. Yeah, sure. But um, it, it that's that's the kind, that's more what I dislike about it, Sarah, than feeling like it is too accessible. Accessible is fine. As long as the decisions, I feel, are, are interesting. I, I absolutely don't even ca consider Candyland to be a game because there's no decisions. If, mm -hmm. you're, if you're not making decisions, it's not a game. 
I mean, you can always decide to draw yourself multiple cards or to respin <laughs> if you don't like your spin. Uh, uh, okay. Very there, clever, there are, alert, yes. very clever little girl that likes to do that. Shoots, shoot, shoots and ladders, not a game, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, what if it's princess themed shoots and ladders? If there, I, it, I, there need to be choices. Like I said, if if, if you can you, choose even, which princess you, know. you are. I, I think. Uh, so that, now, 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 I'm wishing you had the video for my face in reaction to that statement. <laughs> For, so, so the, Choosing the princess is not a relevant, useful, meaningful choice, Sarah. Uh, I think right, it's so a the, pretty. I think it's a pretty crunchy choice, actually. I mean, I can tell a lot about you by: Are you an aerial girly or? All right, we're putting the print. We're putting the princess back in the tower. Okay, so I, I think uh, to, to bring it back, just talking about the deck, the deck building portion. Because there are more modern games now that we are, we have highly praised, and those are also deck builders, Dune and uh, Dune Imperium, for example. But I think maybe to Ken's point, Dune Imperium tries to get around this by the cards actually serving multiple purposes, exactly. and you not always getting to use them for like the specific thing that you purchased it for all the time. So. Yep. Just, just things to think about. Like, there's different ways that people try to fix that problem, but in general. No matter what you try to do, I think that m- most of the time, most deck builders are going to run into a card that's probably considered like one of the better cards to get. But there's not really anything else, to Ken's point, that it feels like that you can mitigate mitigate that with uh, with Clank. And to be clear, especially if my friends who like this game a lot and always want to play it are listening, it's fine. I enjoy it. I, you know... <laughs> I don't hate I, when you. I, when, I when, don't. when we when we when we hang out, I you know I'm fine playing the game and we can have fun. But if it would never be the game that I would suggest playing. Yeah, I mean I enjoy it too, but I I'd probably put it I'd probably put it in a similar realm. I'd probably give it Good. a seven. Usually, willing to play would be a seven. So. <laughs> and in case it's not clear, I've never yep. played this game. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. I'm, I'm between like a six and a seven on that one, so. So we'll we'll wrap up this this next ten in our series of of going down the the uh, board game geek talk one hundred there. So we'll pick up next time at number seventy nine. So any final thoughts? And we might mix in some other topics in the meantime too. I mean we're not we're not committed to going through all of these oh, before yeah. we give you something else too. So if if you're finding this particular set of our podcasts to be boring. Listen to the next one. It might be something completely different. It might it probably be even will more boring. Be. I feel like we need to switch it up. I think we need to talk about something else because I'm not just saying that because I haven't played any of the ones in the next 10. Oh, is, oh, is, that, is that so? <laughs> That's definitely so. I have um, played only two of them, it looks like. Okay. So, Actually, three of them, maybe. We are going to be taking a little bit of a break um, from our every other week release date. Um, Schedule. No, don't cry, anybody. Don't cry. I know, I know. It's it's going to be hard for us too, but um, we're, we, you know, holidays are busy, so um, I'm going to be doing some traveling and all kinds of stuff. So we'll come back in January, refreshed, renewed, full mm. of cookies. I'm sure. Um, if only we had a backlog of four or five pre-recorded, pre-edited episodes just ready to drop out there. I know. don't know, Ken. That sounds like a really bad idea. <laughs> I, you know what though? I'm gonna promise you this. I promise Uh-oh. you. I solemnly swear, 
on oh, no. my fake profession as a podcaster, oh. we will never be that podcast that just re-releases episodes to fill in when we don't have new content. Wait, people do that? People do yes. that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it drives me insane. Yep. Do they, this do they old at least episode, like, edit it? No. no, no, they just go grab one of their classic podcasts. They're like, oh, here's a podcast we did three years ago that was was really popular. We're just going to re-release this for Christmas. What like a scumbag I, Steve move. What the fuck or, is that? Or they'll release, instead of their own content, they'll release a, a related or sister podcasts episode, which, yep. I mean, I can't really complain about that one too much because I found some of my favorite podcasts that way. Uh, shout out to like Maintenance Phase podcast is Fear of Michael Hobbs. Um, so I can't complain about that too much. We might, you know, maybe if we eventually have podcasts that like to cross post on content, but we will never, ever just replay an old episode. Man, that's, that's, nah, man. Because <laughs> we just got to assume cool. everybody has already binged our entire catalog and don't need to rehear things. I mean, we could just re, uh, re- re-release uh, episode three uh, in two weeks here. I mean, that would be easier. No. <laughs> I mean, some of them some of them do need some better editing compared to how we're doing it now. Actually, it's just because we're better now at, at casting. We don't need edits anymore. Oh, yeah. Ken basically doesn't do anything re- anymore. I don't no. know what I don't know what he's doing anymore. <laughs> he's right, like, oh, right. proceeds to so, do nothing. So I have a fun off the cuff final question for y'all. Oh, oh. By the time oh. we come back, it'll be 2024. What are going to be your board game related New Year's resolutions? Oh, man. Mine like this Kingo year was to take one. Mine this year was to take a picture of every time we played board games at Tim's house so That's that really I can compile idea. them into a little memory, I don't know, book. <laughs> We're just going to send you a series of text messages. That sounds no, I, incredibly sweet, actually. I definitely need to get back uh, in a regular schedule of hosting hosting some board game activities at my uh, my place. I, I moved uh, what probably about two months ago now, and haven't uh, haven't hosted anything since uh, since then. And I definitely need to uh, need to fix that and get. Uh, it gets people over for some uh, some board games at my new place. But uh, and your uh, problem was you yet. didn't move close enough. You, That's you, true. You're like still 20 minutes away. He's so close to game theory, though. I am. So I'm close. Right by game theory. Which, so, by the way, yep. if anybody needs a copy of the original Too Many Bones, they ordered one for me, and then Aww. I bought it online. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so when they called... Bag Sarah. So when they called, I had to be like, I'm so sorry. I, I, had, I had major FOMO, and I bought it on Black Friday. <laughs> I felt so bad. Have you at least local businesses? Have you at least, yeah, like, I like how we're just like, yeah, we're going to talk about all the local businesses, and then how just like, and then I purchased a game right out from under them after they ordered it. But by local. He said, he said, (laughs) when I talked to him about this, he was like, well, put your name on this list, and if we can get it, we'll call and let you know, but don't worry, if you get it online first, that's okay, we'll just put it on the shelf. So they may... If they haven't I mean, sold it already, I'm have a copy really of worried Too about, Many Bones. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Too Many Bones. I mean, it's a pretty popular title. It'll it's incredible. Sell and tell them I sent you if you go and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that Sarah, girl I'm, that said she was going to buy it but then bought it online. 
I am not trying to get involved in magic in a larger box, okay? I heard I heard about you guys from uh, the board game Triangle. Sarah told me to come get too many bones from you. Yes, exactly. Say that. Exactly. She said that you might have a copy, and she didn't really know why you might. But this is the one on Durley. It's not the one in Wake Forest. Since Don't drive I do to know Wake we Forest. have listeners. We do have listeners who frequent the Wake Forest store. Uh, not that one. Not the that one. one you'd have to drive way across town to come to. That's the one. Watch, we're gonna create we're gonna create a fen- a frenzy of like three people rushing, stammering at the door for too many bones. Well look, if you don't get too many bones, go down in the same area to Waraji and get some sushi because it's legit. It's such good sushi. Oh, yeah. Anyways, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> so so Ken's is host more. What's yours, Tim? My resolution is to play fucking King's Dilemma for the love of God. He's saying that now, but before we before we started, he was telling me he's thinking about just getting rid of it because he doesn't think he can get to a table. I really don't. No, it's the problem is I have to get it to a ta- the table with the same people multiple times, and by that time, like, are you going to remember the story? You know that that's I'm hitting. The How point many now people where, does it have to be? It's five. Five. Yeah. That's not bad. It's not, not bad. It's that's not bad. the three of us plus two other people. Yes. That's that's what I told him, yes. Assuming I'm invited. Well, see, but that's also, you know, I have to do that then alongside the other board game nights. I probably will, rather than doing bi-weekly, I'll have to do it, you know, the normal bi-weekly, and then in between I will do this. It's probably so how you have I have to play board games single every week. week. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I already know that Alicia Alicia's not playing it, so I don't have to worry about that. And maybe we'll even host it in different spots, but still play it. I don't know. I need to figure out what I'm going to do, but I really yeah, want to get that. A, I mean, it's not a big setup kind of thing. I mean, it's, no, a, it's, it's not. a small box. Oh, snap. So you, yeah, it is. We yeah. could kill no. two birds with one stone. Ken could host some, and you could yep. play that game that I've yep. already yep. forgotten the name of. King's the Dilemma. King's Dilemma. King's Dilemma. Um, okay, so Sarah, what's your... Uh, what's your New Year's resolution for board games. When I said that this was off the cuff, I had not thought of one. So uh, I think <laughs> Wait, you my... said you said it was the doing photos, right? No, I did that last no, year. No, no, that was last oh, year. Oh, that was last year. I wow. specifically set that as a goal for my year was to participate in and take pictures of all of the board games we play. I mean, you've definitely done some of that. So No, I've done it every time. I've absolutely done it every time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you cry. I just know it. Oh, you, you, I thought She's you were just putting it. it. I thought you were just putting it on the Instagram. No, wait, no, no, you no, haven't noticed me taking pictures every no, time I, we play. No, I have, this. but I, I thought that I thought <laughs> wait, that the you Instagram. Have a no, 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 no. I thought that the Instagram was a reflection of those photos, but that doesn't have all of them on it. No, no. Okay, the Instagram okay. is kind of aesthetic photos that I take of myself playing solo games. <laughs> Ah, I see. So the Instagram's about you. Okay, got it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, You want to see me playing too many bones in front of a fire? Go to our Instagram. (laughs) It's just just a wall of just constant, just too many bones. It basically is like the advertisement for the fucking game. Chip Theory is going to start paying me. Their games are so pretty. We are begging for sponsors in very odd and unusual ways. Yes. Um... No, so I think mine is probably going to be, I want to be the host for at least one 
one game night where I teach the rules to a game that I own. I don't want to ride on anyone's laurels. I don't want to make anyone else learn the rules. I want it to be me hosting in my own comfortable chairs because I'm buying new dining room table chairs so that they'll be more comfortable because mine right now are really shitty. And actually learn the rules and teach the rules competently so that no one has to like look up rules. So is, is is part of that challenge that none of us have to know how to play that game? Yes. I want you to come in completely fresh. We gotta, Ken, we got to find a game that is, all sounds interesting to us and not a single one of us has played it. Also, could it be Too Many Bones? Because I know the rules to it already. It could. I mean, I don't know the rules to it. So. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the rules recently, so I would definitely Recently? A, no, it doesn't count. You, we have to go in blind, all right? I'm 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 mostly blind. I, I think I it's you know it, it's it was. Can uh, your version of blind is reading the rule book only three times? Okay, that doesn't count. Okay, we well to learn blind. the rules, I've read the rule book maybe twenty times. So and I've watched eighty thousand hours of walkthroughs on YouTube. Yeah, right, I, don't know. I I think I think I, I watched I watched a couple walkthroughs a year ago when it came out. Like that, that doesn't count anymore. I've I've, I've mostly forgotten that. That, All right. sure, that, 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 that counts, Sarah. You, you, you could teach me too many Well, rules. also, don't look at the rules to Dark Tower, either, because that could be have you have you Have you uh, played Dark Tower, Tim? Do you know, nope. do you know the rules I don't that? know anything about I, it. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know the rules at all to Dark Tower, so oh my that gosh. totally counts. That, could, totally, that counts. could totally work. That's more reasonable, because, I mean, most likely I'll mess up some rules to Too Many Bones, and Morgan <laughs> will have to correct me. But this, <laughs> to return to Dark Tower is less crunchy, so... <laughs> This All is right. also why I was sitting there going, uh, I would kind of want to review the rules for Too Many Bones before I played it. Yeah, that, that, that would probably be a good thing. Okay, so that those are our, our New Year's resolutions for board games. Um, you guys, our audience members, hold us to it. Make us report back, maybe. Yep. Um, and guys. We've got, we've, got, uh, we've got Discord, we've got Instagram. Uh, like us and rate us and things. Um Tickle oh yeah, our we haven't done with, that. With, with tickle, tickle our hearts with cute comments, and you know it'll make us feel all warm and fuzzy, and make us want to continue going on instead of prematurely canceling. So yeah, if you think if you think to yourself, oh, I'm not going to DM them. I'm sure they get lots of DMs every day. The one DM I've gotten made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> we also just like interacting with people, so love to you know just Absolutely. get feedback to see how you feel feel it's going. Do you guys enjoy the casual format? You know. Oh yeah, the DM was like. the DM was the only DM on Instagram. Our Discord is more more active, mm-hmm. so definitely come hang out with us there. You yeah, can absolutely. you can take this parasocial relationship to all new levels. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'll love you like the like your father never did. Oh my gosh, no, Tim, your dad is the dad on the Discord. That's true. Yep. You'll be, Y'all have you'll some be, wholesome conversations. You will be Discord. everybody's board game dad, okay? I'm I'm Absolutely. just I'm already just advocating for him. If you guys need a board game dad, my dad's got you. All right? Yeah. He'll yep. be Tim's a board dad. game daddy. Tim's dad's the best. Okay. All right. Well, happy holidays. Be safe. And we will see you guys in the new year. And thanks Goodbye. for being our listeners, man. Woo! Thanks so much. Yep. Yeah, thanks for 10 episodes. We'll see you soon. We did it.